Bless your heart, preacher. Praise the Lord. Well, I tell you, it's been a joy to be here in these nights of revival effort, and I think it's went further than an effort. I think that uh, there's been some people that have moved up a notch or two, and uh, I believe that's the right direction. This world is geared to take you down a notch or two on a consistent basis to make you less and less and less and less and less of a Christian and colder and colder and colder and more distant and more distant. But the Lord's not interested in that. He's interested in you getting closer to him and, uh, and that upward. Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? I'm glad we have a God that's interested in the up direction. Amen. When you got saved, that wasn't a down direction. Somebody need to hear that. Maybe multiple people in here and watching needs to hear that again. Salvation is not a downward direction. I'd hate to know that I was more excited about being a sinner than I was after I got saved to being saved. I'd hate to know that I smiled more, had more fun. Amen. Was more faithful to my cause as a sinner than I was to the Savior after I got saved. That's right. I know that's elementary statements right there, but I'm telling you there's a lot of people when they got saved, they went this direction. Amen. In fact, they act like salvation killed them. God didn't give us death. He said, I didn't come to give you a death. I come to give you life. And that more abundantly. And I'm glad he's in the saving business. And he saves you from your sin. He never saves anybody in their sin. He saves you from your sin. And I know we don't have them all in Tennessee. We probably got 90% of them. But you don't have to go far and you don't have to talk to too many people to find out that there's multiple people that claim to be saved and they're living in open, clear, visible sin. And they'll tell you they're saved. And I've asked them before, I've said, uh, you say you're saved, and the Bible said, Matthew 1, that uh, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Uh, exactly what is it that you've been saved from? You've been saved from and also unto. God didn't just save you from, detach you from, amen, cut you off from, but he replaces that with an unto. Thank God the unto was far greater than the from. I'm not sad that I stepped away and got brought out of the, uh, my past life when there's a greater joy in serving the Lord. Amen. I never had to go back to Miller Low Life and Bud Stupid. I never had to go back to that no more. I never had to go back to the dance floor no more. I never had to go back around the old crowd no more. Amen. I found a new life, a new Lord, a new leader. Thank God. A new love. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's right. And I recommend Jesus to you. Some people's got just enough salvation to make them miserable. I tell you, the best thing for you to do is just get all in tonight. Just get all in. No, you're going to have problems out of your reservation. You're not going to have problems out of your sanctification. You're going to have problems out of your reservation. In other words, that which you are reserved to give to the Lord. You, you're holding it back. You're keeping it for yourself. you got a few pets, a little, few pet sins, a pet pleasure or two that you're wanting to keep in your life. Amen. 
Amen. I tell you, and it don't take God 30 years to start working sanctification in his people. I know you won't hear that from most pulpits. In fact, biblical sanctification is hardly ever preached in churches today. Because the flesh don't want to hear that. And the majority of people in those kinds of churches are living a fleshly life. And if you preached a message on biblical sanctification, half the crowd wouldn't come back to another service. Amen. You could let John the Baptist out and let him go preach for about 30 minutes. Probably wouldn't even take 30 minutes in Joel Osteen's church and there wouldn't be enough people come back that night to turn the lights on. Because they've been so used to that sugar-coated, socialistic, limp-wristed stuff, amen, that they, that they wouldn't take preaching. You, you'd have to serve preaching with a pie for them to take it. Amen. The country's in the shape it's in because the church is in the shape it's in. I believe that. I don't believe the church is a reflection of the nation. I believe the nation's a reflection of the church. When God is wanting to do a work, he doesn't look to sinners and he doesn't look to politicians. He looks to his people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, he said, not until then, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal, will heal their land. Amen. Amen. That's right. God's got his eye on his people. If God's going to do anything in this hour, he's going to do it through the Holy Spirit. And where is the Holy Spirit? In every believer. We're not seeing much. It's not because there is not a need for much from the Lord. We're not seeing much because the Lord is in a tug-of-war match with most of his children. He's having to pull, beg, and plead, amen, to try to get his people to listen to him and to be led by him and to love him and to live for him. Amen. Revival's not that far away and revival's not that complicated. But it is impossible for a people that is unwilling to change. That's right. Amen. I want to ask you something tonight. We're going to look in the Bible in a minute. You probably don't want to hear what I got tonight, but it's what the Lord told me to preach. We're going to preach it. Is there revival on the level you're on? The spiritual level you're on individually, is there revival to be had on that level? I know the answer to it. And I can answer answer that with a statement. If you're not experiencing revival, it's because there's no revival on the level that you're on. So what does that mandate? What does that do? Mean That means if we're going to have what we haven't got, then we're going to have to go to another level where it can be had. And a lot of people draws the line right there. Oh, yeah. If, if revival would come by grace and we wouldn't have to do nothing, change nothing, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be all for it. I'd be all for the fruit of revival. I'd be all for the emotions, the emotions of revival. But we don't want the holiness and the purity and the godliness and the devotion that comes with it. Amen. If we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, then we're only going to keep getting what we're getting. But if we're going to get what we haven't got, then we're going to have to do what we haven't done. Somebody's going to have to step up and say, you know what, I'm not praying enough. Or is this meeting's been built seemingly on the theme of closeness to Christ, leaning on him. 
Some ought to be having the mindset and the, and the, and the heart devotion now. Lord, I'm not close enough. I'm not close enough. Amen. I'm going to heaven because I'm converted, because I've been born again. But other people getting saved may be determining by how close to Christ I am. I don't believe nobody's ever been saved until they first have seen a Christian. I don't know if you've ever heard that before or not, but that's the way it is. Christ in you. God's made you a new creature. God's put his divine nature in you. And sinners need to see a real, living, walking, breathing Christian, Christ-like individuals that would reflect him. Amen. I believe a lot of people's not interested in being saved because they've not really seen some true Christians. True Christians. Back when I first got saved 43 years ago, there, everybody everywhere you look, there was you could count on some of them silver-haired saints definitely was walking with God and was prayer warriors and worshipers. Amen. But a lot of them is, has done went off the scene and done been promoted to glory and now we've got an upcoming generation that knows very little about Holy Ghost worship. Amen. And they're scared to death of it. Amen. Lord help us tonight. Amen. I believe I could say tonight that if we have revival, there's going to be a big price tag if we have revival. It's going to cost us if we have revival. Somebody's going to have to say, you know what? I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to make change. I'm willing to be more for God than I am. But oh, how much greater the price if we don't have revival. There will be people that will wind up going to a devil's hell because of dead churches, apathetic churches, people that are comfortable with being casual and they're not interested in fire and they're not interested in power they're not interested in being effective as a Christian amen Lord help us amen Jesus God will meet you I felt a nudge right there God will meet you and he'll meet me at the point of where our heart is. Where's your heart? That's where God wants to start. Amen. That's a good quote right there. Where is your heart? That's where God must start. Because he will not move ahead and away from where your heart uh, is and then hope to try to work in your life. Because then he would be trying to work in your life without your heart. Your heart would be back there somewhere. So where's your heart at tonight? Where is my heart at tonight? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is it. It's not what other people think about you and, and what level they think you're on and how, how great of a Christian they think you are. The truth is known to God as where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Anyway, that's just a little side speech, I guess. I want you to open your Bibles tonight with me to two different passages in the New Testament. I want you to turn to the second chapter of John and then I also want you to turn with me tonight to Matthew's gospel, chapter 21. We'll go to John chapter 2 first and then we'll come into 
Matthew 21 in here in just a few minutes. I appreciate you being here tonight, being attentive. If we don't have revival now, then would somebody tell me when is it going to happen? And are we willing to wait for another opportunity? Are we willing to wait for another day, another year, another revival scheduling, another opportunity? It's not in every revival that we have an opportunity. I want to I say that again. It's not in every revival that we have an opportunity. A lot of revivals or a lot of scheduled church meetings, uh, you know, may not have the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit of God that's challenging our heart that's speaking to us and dealing with us and convicting us of sin and prayerlessness and coldness. You know that's right. Not every Sunday you get dealt with. It's just the way it is. Not every service do you get dealt with. But thank God for those times that God breathes on the choir. For those times God sends a specific specific message through the pastor. Amen. God begins to deal with your heart even at home. God begins to just, you're just sensing that God is calling you close to him. God is wanting more of you. Oh my. I remember going to, from my house to the church. I pastor, I live only about three miles and I was praying and I said, Lord, Surely, surely, Lord, there's more of you for us. Because we're not seeing much of God in these days. And whether you agree with that or not, all you have to do is look around. I'd hate to know. Let me say it like this. I'd hate to know that what little bit I'm seeing in churches today is all that God wants to do and can do. I'd hate to believe that that's all that the almighty God can do is the little. There's churches that goes 12 months of ministry, 52 weeks of ministry, 52 Sundays, 52 Wednesdays, plus revivals, plus special meetings, special occasions, 52 Sunday morning Sunday school sessions, and they never see one person saved. Now, I want to tell you, I don't believe that could possibly be the will of God when the majority of the population of this planet is lost. Am I out in left field thinking that way? No, I just, listen, we've got verses in our Bible that kind of serves as a window that we can see in and see through and let us see just a little bit about how, of what our God can do. And one that stands out to me is Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In light of that verse, are we seeing that God manifested in our day? And it's not his fault. It's not that he's handicapped or, 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 or bound down with inabilities or, or he's losing his grip. And No, no, it's none of that. He is still the almighty God. Amen. He is still the almighty God. I tell you, the problem is his people. And the problem lies at the relationship between his people and the Holy Spirit of God that is in them. When you grieve the Spirit of God and you disobey the Spirit of God and you're disinterested in the Spirit of God and you don't want Him to lead you, you don't want Him to lord over you, amen. As a result, God Almighty is limited. Oh my Lord, help us. Amen. John chapter number two. Oh my goodness. 
Well, there's just all kinds of things going through my head tonight and my heart both. And I can't deal with all of it. We'll be here all night. Somebody fainted in the back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you go outside, you'll get wet. Might as well stay in here and be dry. John chapter 2, very familiar text. Start reading in verse number 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and, and, and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence. In other words, get this out of my house. Get it out. Right. He's cleansing the temple. He said, take these things hence. And look at these next two words. Make not. And if, I don't know if you underscore anything in your Bible or write anything in your Bible or whatever. Those two words is worth underscoring or at least try to remember those two words. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That's a quote from Psalm 69 and verse number nine. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Amen. Boy, there's preaching in that state. There's preaching in that truth right there. Where is the zeal of God's house in God's people? Amen. Jesus Christ was jealous of God's house for, for God. When he saw people bringing defilement in and desecration in, uh, Jesus Christ was moved with jealousy and zeal to fight against and stand up for uh, the purity of God's house. He said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I want to direct your attention back to verse 15 and read this verse again. And when he had made that word, when I told you to mark the words make not in verse number 16, the word made in verse number 15 is the exact same Greek word. And there's some preaching to be done right there, but I don't have time to do that tonight. Just as Jesus Handmade, he, his hands was on the the scourge uh, on the on the on the scourge of small cords. He made that. He he was the one that made that hands on action. And then he comes down in verse sixteen with that same word, and he says, "Make not my father's house a house of merchandise." Verse 15, his hands was on what he was going to use. But then when he told man in verse number 16, make not my father's house a house of merchandise, he's telling them, keep your hands off of it. Don't use your hands to make my father's house a house of merchandise. All right, now we can say more about it. But Matthew 21, real quick. Amen. Matthew chapter number 21, and we know just the way this, this chapter starts of what time frame we're looking at. Just as we know in John 2, the time frame of John chapter 2. What happened in John chapter 2? The first miracle. Jesus Christ performs his first miracle turning the water to the wine at the wedding, at the marriage of Cain of Galilee, right? 
So he, listen, we're talking about his beginning of his ministry. He's starting out his earthly ministry, which was just gonna be a short ministry of about three to three and a half years. He starts it out in John 2. First thing he does in the beginning of his ministry, he does a miracle. He, 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 he changes the water to wine at the wedding, right? And then you go right just a couple of verses after that and we find him entering into the temple and cleansing it. It was a big deal to Jesus when he started his ministry, his earthly ministry for the Father's house to be clean for the Father's house to be in every sense of the word what God wanted it to be. Man had made it everything that it shouldn't be. They had made it a house of merchandise. They had made it a glorified flea market. Amen. They made it a house of convenience. Instead of people raising their own sacrifices, They didn't even do that. They knew they could go to the church and buy it, put a little money in the offering plate and get their own turtle doves and their own uh, pigeons and their own whatever else, amen. Most churches today are built on conveniences. I've asked people before, what are you looking for in church? And they'll say, I'm looking for a place that I can feel comfortable. I said, I'm not too, well, amen, I don't want to hear it, but I said, I'm not too sure that that should be a qualification that you're looking for. Because that sounds too much like a Laodicean church. Amen, I tell you, the church you ought to find is the preaching and the singing and the praying and the teaching and the atmosphere, amen, and the ministries of the church is challenging you to be a greater Christian. Every time you come to church, challenging you to move up, challenge you to do more, challenging you to be more for God's glory. Oh man, I'm telling you, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on that, amen. Amen, we had a lady years ago, she stood up and she was testifying one Sunday morning and she said, well, said, when, I, when, we, when, I, when I joined, her and her husband said, when I joined Rogersville Baptist Temple, she said, I, I seen real quick that I was gonna have to stretch to be a member here. You know why? Because the ministries of the church, the preaching ought to be the leading part, ought to challenge us from the Bible to be a greater Christian, to be more involved, to be more separated from the world and more devoted unto the things of God. But most people's not looking for that. I had a fellow, I'll get read this in a minute. I'm just trying to mind the Lord. I'm, there's a ton of leadership going through my soul. I'm just telling I'm having to try to pick which one the Lord wants. Amen. There was a fellow called me one day and he said, Pastor said, I'd like to meet with you at Burger King. I thought, well, that's a pretty good place to meet. He said, I want to talk to you about uh, maybe possibly coming to your church. Well, I thought that might have been a bad sign because normally you want to come to the church first and then talk to the pastor. If you want to talk to the pastor first, you're probably wanting to find out some details before you come. And such was the case. I sat down, I did get a free meal out of it. But he, he sat down, and, and I mean, he went straight to the point. He said, Pastor, I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a church that, uh, that, that when I go to church that they're gonna preach on sin. I know he can tell by the facial expression on me. But I let him go ahead and spit out his nonsense because all it, what he said was nonsense. It is not scriptural and it is not spiritual to make such a stupid statement. I'm trying to find a church <laughs> whose head of the church is Jesus that came here and died for sin, died because of sin. And then he wants, to, he wants to find a church that don't ever preach about sin, never say nothing negative. He said, preach, I don't want no negative preaching. 
You say, well, preacher, what'd you, did you offer him any special lollipops and, 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 and gift cards? And No, I just looked across the table and I said, listen, ain't no need to beat around the bush. You ain't going to like it at our church. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and make you think that when you come, it's going to be everything that you just told me you want. I want you to know before you ever step foot, this preacher is not for sale, and I'm not going to dodge sin. I'm not going to dodge what the Word of God says to put a smile on nobody's face. Amen. And I said, listen, that's just the way it is. You said, well, what happened? He never came. And you know what's happening with us? We're going on. Amen. 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 You should want to be challenged in God's house. Don't ever get mad at God's man for preaching the word of God. Amen. Why is it that the carnal response of, of people's mind when, it, when they get their, their toes stepped on, which is a carnal statement, People said, Preach, you stepped on my toes. I said, I'm sorry. I wasn't aiming for your feet. I was aiming for your heart. I'm going to check my sights. My sights must have been off a little bit. I said, I'm not interested in your toes. <laughs> what preacher is interested in toes? Not me, friend. No. Every time I, well, anyway. That's right. Come on. Yes. Amen. Don't Listen, God's man gets up and preach. Don't sit back there and carnally reason it out and say, well, I wonder who told him. Yeah. I wonder who told the preacher about, about me. Because he's, he's nailing my hide to the wall and surely he knows something. I know, I know, God forbid that the Holy Spirit told him. Oh, no. We can't think that thought. That's too spiritual. Because <laughs> there's times, friend, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I know I'm preaching to somebody. Amen. It don't matter if they did know. When John the Baptist run that bony finger of his out and told Herod, hey, you're, you're, you're in... You wicked. It's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. I mean, was that, how personal was that? Herod, hey, I'm talking to you. Ain't but one Herod in here that's got my brother Philip's wife, and that's you. It cost him his head, though, but still. But thank God for a man that wasn't for sale. Amen. I never met your preacher until Monday night. But oh, preacher, I want to encourage you. Stay with the stuff. Amen. Don't fear man. Don't ever get fear man. You'll, that, the Bible said fear man bringeth the snare. You'll be dodging stuff and you'll be in bondage. You'll preach in bondage and you'll, you'll wonder all the time of who am I preaching to? Who is getting offended? Who's going to be mad? Best thing to do is just walk with God. Get God's message. Let God lead you to what to preach and stand up without fear in favor of man and preach thus saith the Lord. Amen. And let the chips fall where they will. Amen. And you'll be able to look at every one of your congregation because you knew that God God sent the message through. Woo, glory to God, that's old-fashioned. Preaching right there, amen. Oh, man. My goodness. Matthew 21. Lord, have mercy. I'm not going to get this done. I'm going to see that. That's all right, though, amen. I could stop right now and run around the building about four times because I feel the Holy Spirit of God sanctioning my heart. You're telling it right. You're telling it right. Keep preaching. Amen. That's the kind of preaching that got me in. 43 years ago, it wasn't no storytelling that got me in. 
It was a, it was a leather lung, fire breathing, Bible thumping preacher, getting the pulpit that had been in the closet with God, been on the mountain with God, amen, and come and preach the word of God and God nailed my sinful hide to the wall, amen. Hallelujah. I still remember it that night. Glory to God. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. I don't see how people get over it. Seems like some people act like they got saved with a little bitty, bitty, bitty salvation. But I want to tell you, there ain't but one Savior. They have a one salvation and one savior. And let me just help you with something. Salvation is not what Jesus does. Salvation is who Jesus is. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And the, amen. If you don't have Jesus in you, then you're not saved. Because he is salvation. He is salvation. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, I'm about to have a spell. You say, preacher, I don't know, what, what is that? Hey, you don't want to go to heaven, you have one. Amen. And a good place to have one is in the prayer closet all by yourself. Just get in there with Jesus and just get, don't get in there with about a 30-second mindset, uh, amen, and a little short idea of prayer. Get in there and say, Lord, I'm not coming out till you bless me. Amen, I'm not turning loose with to, of you till you bless me. I need some help. I'm struggling over here. I need some help. And I'm not coming out of the closet till you help me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. You ought not want to go to heaven until God gets in the car with you at least one good time. I'm talking about in a, in a manifested way. And it don't matter if you drive a Chevrolet or a Ford. I promise you there's not enough room for a big God to break out inside that little bitty cab and, and, and you not know it. There have been times I've had to pull over. Amen, that's right. Amen, that's right. Oh, thank God it's real. Oh, I love that song, thank God it's real. Yes, I know it's real. Hey, are y'all listening? What I, what's going on down in the very depths of my soul tonight? I didn't have to smoke nothing to re- receive it. I didn't have to take no pills to have it. Thank God the Holy Spirit of God is a jumping up and down inside my soul. A blessing my soul. I believe what he's doing is saying amen to the preaching. Amen. I'll I tell you seriously. I felt God every night, but I, I don't know that I've felt God any more than I have tonight in this revival. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I had great liberty the first night, but I'm telling you right now, I think the liberty tonight's even far greater. Somebody's been doing business with God. Somebody's been saying yes to the Lord. Somebody's made some profitable trips to the altar. Somebody, hallelujah, amen. Somebody, amen, has done business with the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God, amen. Amen, I can't hardly say much more. It's just getting, it's, I know it's not good English, but it's describing the way I feel. It's getting gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the, amen. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all, amen, all that's within me. And forget not all of his benefits. What a Savior. What a Savior. What a salvation. What a spiritual journey. What a divine purpose God has for us. Oh, that God would transform this church and me included and the church I pastor to where there's no hindrances of Him accomplishing 
his end time purposes. Amen. Lord, help us, Jesus. Amen. I can't hardly stand it, amen. I feel like I'm out in the river, boys. I feel like we're out in the river. I, I believe we're getting our toes in the river, amen. You say, the what, 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 the river? Oh, the river of opportunity, the river of privilege, the river of blessing. Oh, my, this is real. This is real. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you... Oh my goodness. That message last night, who is this that cometh up from the wilderness leaning upon her beloved? She was, she was experiencing personally the up close and personal reality and realness of her beloved. Preach, I was sitting right over there even before, the, before I got up to preach and I was still thinking about that message last night. How many people never experience an up-close and personal details of your beloved? You preach about being intimate with the Lord and a lot of people will look at you like, what? And they'll look at you in a Baptist church like you're some charismatic or something. They'll look at you like you're some, some, something off the wall. Right. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, the Jesus of that New Testament, yes, amen. He, he would meet with people. He would meet with just a single person at times. Amen. He would meet, but he would walk through walls to meet with his disciples after the resurrection. He knew two of his disciples were struggling and was headed back down the road of Emmaus to go home, and they were quitting. And Jesus said, I've got to do something. And he disguised himself as a stranger and joined himself in the journey. And he began to talk to them. And he began to, amen. What a Savior that's interested in individuals. God is interested in you. Being what you're supposed to be. Oh my goodness. Mercy. Oh my goodness. Lord, help us to not miss this golden opportunity to worship. You can't worship from a distance. I've tried it. You try it sometime. It's almost impossible. You can't do it. But I believe with all my heart he's passing through here in his manifested presence. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. We had one of our youth camps a few years back and I still remember the youth choir, or not the youth choir, but the, the girls' ensemble. They got up and sung, Jesus, what a wonderful name. I don't know if anybody here sings that. Brother, you need to get somebody on that. Jesus, what a wonderful name. You talking about a, a, a song that magnifies the Lord. And it's your style of music. It's our style. And brother, I want to tell you, Brother Blaylock, we was in a little old small cedar cedar log uh, chapel tucked in the hills of Tennessee. And I'm telling you, when they got to singing that song, Jesus, what a wonderful name. It, I'm telling you, it was like Jesus walked up the aisles. And, amen. And just said, yeah, that's me. That's me. And the youth and the girls, preacher, the girls in the ensemble, one by one, they got to where they couldn't even sing. And they would, one would go over behind the organ and, and get in the floor. And this one would go over there. And one would get, just get behind them there, kneeling down in the floor. And before you know it, there wasn't nobody to sing. And in the congregation, people was, was, was all face down. And, some, and it was a small little uh, a, a chapel, a small chapel. And some were outside in the yard just worshiping. Worshiping. Oh my goodness. 
Worship will do more for you. Worship will put a mark on you that you'll never forget it. You'll never get over it as long as you live. And most people has never done it. Most people has never done it. They're satisfied with just a religious routine and we go to church and okay, we got our little menu and our bulletin and who's going to do what and at what moments and what time and and God really don't have any part to break in. Don't have, have any place to break in. Amen, Lord, have mercy. Amen. Let me pray right here. I'm, I'm really in indecision of whether I'm even supposed to go into chapter 21. When I got in the pulpit, that was going to be the mess. This was going, was going to be the text. But all that's happened over the last few minutes, oh, my goodness. He's here. Oh, did y'all hear that? He's here. The one that can lift your load is here. The one that can help you is here. And it's not me. It's not anybody that's visibly seen. It's no, nobody in here that I can point out and say, yo, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. No, we're talking about the unseen. The unseen, invisible Christ. Amen. Is here. He's here. Amen. I felt like the Lord just said, tell them. Tell them I'm here. I'm here. I'm here on purpose. I'm here on business. Do you need help tonight? Do you need help? Do you? Amen. If you know you need help, and he's here, the one that can help you, then there's no, I can't take you any further than that. I can't take you any further than that. Best thing to do is make your way to him. And a good place to find him is in a good, old-fashioned altar. Amen, a prayer. Let's pray. Father, I come in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, I just stand amazed, Lord. Stand absolutely amazed, Lord, at your mercy and, Lord, your grace tonight. Lord, I think just right now, even in my mind, how in the world did we get from where where we started to, to here? Lord, I don't even know, but I know that you led me moment by moment, step by step through there, and I thank you. Lord, I pray tonight, God, Lord, that you would accept our thanks and our praise. Lord, that you have graced us tonight. Lord, none of us deserve this. None of us deserve you. Lord, I want to thank you for meeting with us. And you're meeting with us tonight on purpose. And you're meeting with us tonight to better us. You're meeting with us tonight not to just comfort us and, and, and keep us where we're at. Lord, you're wanting to, for us to all to go to another level. Help the young ladies. Help the young men in the church. The young people in the church. Lord, help them to go to another level, Lord, because you want to use them to reach their generation. Lord, I pray you help us all. Help the preachers here tonight. Lord, help the preacher's wives here tonight. Lord, help the deacons, deacons' wives, Sunday school teachers. Lord, the church workers, Lord, people. Lord, in this building, God, oh, please, Lord, help us. Lord, draw us and we will run after thee. Lord, help us today. Lord, I just can't go no further than you, Lord. And you're here. You have our attention. And Lord, we want to we bow before you. We want to bow to you, submit to you. We pray, dear Father, this evening, Lord, that this will be a service that people will never forget because God did such a deep, deep work in each of our lives, and we need it. Lord, we're in a world of all kinds of trouble and heartache and and afflictions, and Lord only knows what's coming. But dear Father, I know that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. I pray, dear Father, that you'll take, Lord, everything that's been said, Lord, that's been anointed of the Holy Ghost, Lord, tonight, Lord, and use it, God, for your honor and your praise. Lord, I ask your will to be done, Lord. Lord, I was willing, Lord, to go into Matthew 21, and thought that, I thought that would be the will. Lord, I, I, I don't believe it is now. I believe, Lord, we've got to you. You brought us to you. The Holy Spirit's got us to your feet. We've got our eyes on you, our minds on you, our thoughts are on you, our affections on you. And Lord, I believe it's your will, God, that we 
take these moments and worship you and love on you because you first loved us. Thank you for being so kind to us, Lord. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve. Thank you for holding back what we do deserve while grace steps in and gives us the undeserved. Have your way, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us to worship you. Help us to honor you, Lord. This will be a good opportunity, Lord, for someone that hadn't already done it this week to cast all their cares upon you. Lord, to take their burdens, those things that's distracting them, and Lord, bring them to your feet. Bring them to your altar. Bring them to you. Bring them to you, Lord. And get help. Help, Lord, so they can leave them there. Bring them to the Lord and leave them there. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Folks are in the altar. If you need to come, if you need to pray. Altars are full, so people's doing business with the Lord. Amen. Sis, go ahead and play softly if you would. bypass him. Reach out. Reach out and touch him. Call to him like blind Bartimaeus did. 